Hey everybody, I'm Tim Yuma, and you've ordered up Scrambled Eggs today on LocalJobNetwork.com radio. Scrambled Eggs is more of a laid-back, entertaining approach to the employment realm, looking at the world from a slightly different lens from time to time. Today's show once again examines a career that wouldn't be classified as a traditional position. Many people feel they need to have a quote-unquote regular job, but there are many options out there. Our guest does have a position that is the envy of many, despite some long and sometimes odd hours. Joining us is Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, Assistant Program Director and Talk Show Host for Sports Radio 1250 WSSP in Milwaukee. Thanks for coming on today, Sparky. No, first of all, I kind of give a rather vague description of what you do, but what do you see as you know, your role in the media and kind of your experience that, that you bring to the table? I, I guess, I mean, when you're doing a, a, when you're in a position of doing sports talk, I, I guess you're kind of the entertainment for people that are working other jobs, maybe jobs that they don't like on their drive home or at lunch or they're streaming you because they're bored out of their mind working in their office job, <laughs> sitting in their cubicle, and they're just trying to stay awake to get done at 5 o'clock. So we're kind of the entertainment, I guess. And the way that we entertain or the way that the Wendy's Big Show that I work on entertains, obviously, is by having differing opinions uh, and, and things that sometimes, hopefully, people will get engaged in and may start screaming at their desk and get themselves in trouble or screaming at their radio on the way home or something along those lines. And it's funny because when you're doing it, I mean, you know, doing this. Right. You don't think anybody's listening. You think it's just you guys in a room and you're just talking. And sure. then when you go out to a bar or a restaurant and somebody comes up to you, oh, you're Sparky. How do you know that? Yeah. Yeah, I listen to you on the radio. So, I mean, it's a pretty cool deal. No question. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that, uh, you know, a little bit of the fan interaction, uh, positive and negative, yeah. I'm sure, with you. So, uh, in terms of when you were looking into this or maybe even farther back, what did you have? always have the aspiration to get into the sports media? Was that kind of your dream, so to speak? Eighth grade. That's uh, that's what I knew I wanted to do. Was and, there, uh, I mean, were there things you did that, you know, people are like, oh, you definitely would fit into that kind of uh, No, I was a small little runt with a big head, <laughs> kind of like I am now, uh, and knew I couldn't play professional football or professional baseball or any of that stuff. So in eighth grade, I decided, okay, well, I want to do sports in some way. If I'm not going to be able to play them because I'm not going to be big enough, mm-hmm. then I have to figure out something else. So started reading the newspaper to my grandma every day after school, started lecturing at church. Everything I did from eighth grade forward centered around getting to where I am today. And I was really focused. And, you know, talking to other people, most people don't know what they want to do, I guess, in eighth grade. Right. I did. I was fortunate. And then just focused all of my time and energy on getting to that point and not letting anything get in my way. I mean, since you had that kind of idea the whole way and you were focused so much, I mean, did you feel there were any doubts that crept in with, can I, can I pull this off? Can I do this? I mean, did that happen at all? Or was there a lot of support that you had? I guess, how, how did that kind of all play out? I, I guess, you know, in high school, I, I took radio and TV and did all of that. I was comfortable public speaking. I was comfortable in speech class when I was in college. I did a speech on how to teach speech class because I thought my teacher was an idiot. Um, <laughs> nice. So I, I did stuff like that. Uh, I got my break in, you know, radio, getting my first internship. And that's what, you know, all jobs are really, are breaks and, and getting that opportunity. I took Tim Allen, who does the uh, baseball postgame show with me, the Rapinas baseball postgame show after Brewers games, mm-hmm. took his little sister to prom and met him at the family dinner. Got the internship a month later uh, and away I was and I was in and I started setting goals for myself. I didn't reach my goal. My goal was to be a full-time talk show. by the time I was 25. I think it took me to the time I was 28. So I didn't exactly get to where I wanted to go, but I knew if I kept working hard and kept working in my craft, I could get there eventually one day. Well, I like what you mentioned there about uh, the way you kind of network, so to speak. It sure. wasn't in a business setting. It was just, hey, you, ha- you know, happen happened. to be a pro. Right. And I think that's important for a lot of people to remember is that no matter who you meet with, you don't know. They could be Absolutely. somebody that can pull some strings for you. So, um, I mean, I think that's good to hear. I think it's good for a lot of people to hear. So in terms of when you're maybe trying to 
trying to find yourself, so to speak, or what your voice was. And maybe you didn't think in those terms, but I mean, were there people you did admire, looked up to, maybe took things from that you thought, hey, that works or hey, that I would never want to do that? Because obviously, yeah. no matter what job you're in, you're, you're looking for some sort of mentor, positive or negative. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I When I wanted to start doing this, it was kind of like a, a TV aspect a little bit. Like Brett Musburger was my guy, him okay. and Irv Cross and Will McDonough and those guys on CBS. <laughs> those are that are younger have no idea who I'm talking about. <laughs> they but, can look it up. Right. But but those those were my guys, the CBS, you know, NFL pregame show on TV. And then once I got into radio, I started looking at, at other people uh, in radio that I kind of liked. I, I hated Mike North as a talk show personality uh, at the score in Chicago. He had this interview that he did with Jim Brown, Earn My Respect. And after that, I was like, you know, that's a pretty cool deal, him, because he was a you know hot dog cart sales guy or whatever, mm-hmm. and got a job working in in sports talk radio. And now he's no longer in Chicago; he's on Fox Sports Radio. But I mean, he was making million, million and a half dollars a year from being a hot dog sales guy <laughs> to just being you know the fan on the radio right. that didn't care and then just came at whoever uh, and did their gig. So that was cool. Tim Allen obviously influenced me, being my first guy as well. Uh, and Steve the Homer True, who I worked with at WISN Radio for six years, also was a big influence. And that's something, again, we'll touch on a little bit later with the industry in terms of that kind of, uh, you know, your your teammates, so to speak, and then your competitors. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and I'm sure in different market it's different, but we'll touch on that a little bit later too. Staying kind of with that personal aspect of it with yourself, is there something in particular that you did love or that you really have a passion for in terms of, I mean, I know it's sports and I know a lot of people, including myself, just have that passion for sports and you want to talk about sure. it. But I mean, are there any other little parts to the media business or to sports themselves that really kind of fuel your fire or did when you were moving up? I mean, as a fan, obviously you grow up watching your favorite teams and somebody's going to pay me to sit around and talk about my favorite teams. Very cool. The sports talk aspect of it that I like the most, my favorite aspect of it, I'm sure you could have this figured out. The debate, the (laughs) argument, the trying to prove to the other guy that you're right and he's wrong and arguing out your opinion and knowing that, you know, when you get off the air, you're still good. It's just that argument that you have on the air. Just like if you were in a bar and you and I got into an argument over the Brewers, we leave the bar, we'd be good. Mm. We might have swung at each other a couple times, but we're good after that. But that's the aspect that I think... You know, sometimes people that that may listen to me think I'm just a a raging ball of hate. Well, that's not necessarily the case. But when you get on the air and you have somebody that disagrees with you, and I'm stubborn, I'm real stubborn. So that that kind of gets my blood boiling and and away we go. Since you brought it up, let's go into that right now. Because you did talk about how maybe with a friend at a bar, you have that argument or whatever, debate it, then you're fine, you're cool, whatever, you're just talking sports. Mm It doesn't always happen that way, I would seem, with uh, with some of the fans that call in and talk to you. And some people think you are intentionally taking a contrarian view to, you know, to drive in, you know, mm-hmm. to have callers come, you know, call into you and, and disagree and sure. have that argument. How do you handle all of that as far as maybe you are out at a, at a bar or at a restaurant or something and somebody does express that distaste for you or they call in or you guys have the sound off line where people really can let loose if they right. want? How do you not take those things personally and understand as part of the business? It's funny. People don't come up to me usually. Really? Uh-uh. Th- those people that have that that viewpoint or don't want to come at me because they know I'm going to come back. Right. So normally they don't even really approach me. Now, I will have people from time to time that are drunk that will come up and, <laughs> and get in my face. And then we go back and forth. And by the end of it, you're normally they're buying me a drink. Right. And, and this thing that I say to everybody that says, well, you're taking the contrarian point of view. Okay. Well, how arrogant are you as a person to think that you're the only view that is right? Sure. Because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you can't possibly believe that. That's like the whole Skip Bayless thing on ESPN. Now, I, <laughs> I, I don't know what they do at ESPN. I don't know if they tell him to say certain things or right. not one way or the other. 
But for me, at least, I've said it from the time I walked into 1250 WSSP when we went on the air January 2nd of 2005. I said, I will never go on the air and say something I don't believe. If I'm in a bar drunk that night, I better say the same thing I said on the air that day. Mm. Because if I don't say that, then I'm fake. And if I'm fake, I'm not going to last very long because word will spread like wildfire that uh, he just says that. But uh, again, I I dare anybody to come find me and tell me what I said on the air isn't something I said later that night at a bar or something else. I say what I believe. Now, again, can I change my mind? Sure. And then people really go crazy. Oh, of course. Because, you know, if you say the Brewers are going to win 96 games and then in June after injuries or whatever, you change your mind. Well, what happened, Sparky? You're a flip-flopper. Why aren't you sticking with 96 games? Well, situations change. Circumstances change to make your opinion change. And I do appreciate that about you because, I mean, I know I've come across people that will – either cater to the fans in one way or the other, mm-hmm. whether it be that positive or negative kind of view. But, um, you know, I try to tell friends, look, I, as far as I've always known you, you just tell it like it is, yep. but you're going to be strong about it. And some people don't like Absolutely. that, obviously. Uh, so I like what you brought up about the idea of, of being fake, so to speak, because, you know, I, I, I also agree that you lose your credibility when you start doing that. So in terms of when, I mean, has it taken you a while or, or were you fine with it right away, getting used to people just not liking you? I mean, that thick skin kind of thing. I don't have it. No, mm-hmm. oh. nope. And, and that's why I'm not on Twitter. And that's why I'm not on Facebook. <laughs> that's why I try my best to control myself. And my boss, it drives all three of my bosses that I've had at WSSP think I'm crazy. But there are times where I walk in his office and go, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Really? I just, I don't, I don't know if I want to deal with this anymore. Because it, it's, it gets to the point from time to time where you get beat up enough and you're just like, dude, is it really worth it? I mean, do I really want to get yelled at every day for four hours? Sure. I mean, it's just, and sometimes it does wear you down. It does beat you down. And then thankfully, you know, I have guys around me that are able there to help me pick me up and say, dude, just don't pay attention to it. You're fine. Like Rami Makhlouf is, oh, is one guy. Tim Allen is another guy. Gary Ellers. I mean, those guys are there when I get down uh, at times and I do get down. At times where they're there to pick me back up and go, dude, just ignore that and mm-hmm. just do what you do. Don't worry about what everybody else thinks. But absolutely, it gets to me. No question. I think it's important for people to hear that, honestly, because as you mentioned, there are people maybe sitting in an office or whatever their job might be. And sure. They may not be getting yelled at by fans or have this right. hate, but they may have disagreements in the office. And, um, you know, I think to hear someone like you who is in a position that a lot of people envy, I mean, mm-hmm. it is true covering sports, um, that even you go through the same type of things no for question. one reason or another. Yours might even be a little more personal mm-hmm. attack-wise. So one thing I always respected about you and sometimes thought you were a little insane is the amount of work that you do there. I mean, you have the baseball postgame show at the Brewers. You have the basketball postgame show at the Bucks. So you're on many times of the pregame for the Brewers that you've had me on. Yep. Thank you very much. You know, you do, obviously, the big show in the afternoon. You got the you, racing show. Right, you got all, spare I time mean, bowling show this all, Sunday at 9 o'clock. All over the place. Yeah. yeah. You know, and friends joke, does he have a does he have an actual life? Yeah. I don't know. I don't really delve into that. But right. I guess what, what kind of has been your philosophy in terms of work and all the, the time you do put into it? I mean, is it has it always been with you? Is it a thing where, you know, Brett Favre always, always used to say, I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to leave anything on the field because mm-hmm. the next guy's going to come in just like he did. What is your general philosophy with just putting that amount of work into it? I think it's just been a philosophy that I was brought up with by my parents. My mom uh, doesn't like it at all because she's like, you have your father's workaholic <laughs> attitude. Because my dad, you know, would go to work at 5, 530 in the morning at right. a car dealership. And then he wouldn't come home till 7, 8 o'clock at night. And he'd be there all day. And then we'd see him on the weekends. And that was about it. Because when he came home, he was having dinner and falling asleep on the couch watching sports or whatever the case may be. So I guess I've always just kind of had that workaholic attitude. And for me, because I do like so many different sports, I mean, that racing show that we do, Sparky's Final Inspection with uh, Summer and Steve Zotke, 
I'm telling you right now, if I decided I didn't want to do it, more than likely that show is going to go away. Now, mm. the one thing is over the course of time, we've built up sponsorships, Chicagoland Speedway, Napa Auto Parts. So we've built up a following. We've built up right. uh, revenue coming in. The Spare Time Bowling Show that I started last year for the first time, I've wanted to do that show forever and no boss would ever let me do it. <laughs> now they're letting me do it because, again, it's just me. It's Dwight Albrecht uh, from the Spare Time Pro Shop uh, in New Berlin and it's Van McNeil. And I'll be out at the World Series of Bowling in November, covering the World Series of Bowling, interviewing the winners after each TV taping. Mm-hmm. You dive into the high school bowling aspect that is huge in southeastern Wisconsin right. right now that a lot of people don't aren't aware of. So it's just a, it's a lot of stuff that I like doing. Are you ever going to hear me doing a soccer show? No, you're not. <laughs> An HL show, not happening. No, because I just, I'm not passionate. I, I don't follow those things. Right. But those things that I'm passionate about, and especially like racing, high school sports, uh, bowling that are niche sports that I think aren't really covered enough in this town or aren't covered well in this town, then I'm going to try and throw on my back and see what we can do. For God's sakes, Tim, we have an NBA team in this town called the Milwaukee Bucks. I dare you to go find another radio station in this town that talks as much Bucks as we do. True. And now we're bringing on Ted Davis as of today when we're doing this. He'll be a, a weekly guest on the big show as another co-host, kind of like Leroy Butler is a couple days a week mm-hmm. throughout the year. So we bring on another aspect. We do the we've done the show in the in past years with the general manager of the Bucks. We do the post game show, obviously, for the last what has it been now six or seven years after Bucks games uh, as well. So I do a lot of it either because a I'm very passionate about it, um, and most of the time b because I don't think it's covered well enough in this town, and I want to try and help it out. Right. And with some of the, a lot of the things you do, I mean, you talk about obviously having that passion for it. Um, clearly, you have to be versatile. You've done a number of different things. Sure. Be the producing aspect, directing. Yep. Obviously, the the you know, on air personality type thing. Did you ever look at it or think in terms of trying to perfect one of those areas to be, you know, so to speak, a star? I relate it to baseball, mm-hmm. where you could be that utility guy, have a nice career, but sure. you never get seen as the third baseman or the yep. outfielder. I guess what's the balance there between showing you can do all these different things and probably always having a spot somewhere? And this can apply to any job, obviously, right. or really focusing on that one area where you could be, you know, the the perfectionist, so to speak. It's funny when you, you bring that up because when I first got into radio, uh, Tim Allen, who I said before was my mentor when I started interning, he said, you never say no to anything. Mm-hmm. If somebody offers you a, a, an opportunity to do something in radio, you take it. Mm-hmm. He goes, if you don't know how to do it, I'll tell you how to do it on the phone. Just <laughs> say yes. So I said, all right, fine. And I've always kind of went with that mentality. And then when I was at WISN Radio, there isn't really as much per, uh, interaction between sales um, and talk show hosts. There okay. really isn't sales is sales, programming is programming, and there's right. really not a lot of interaction. There is between the program director and sales, but not really the host. I get to WSSP and it's a different nut. I mean, it's, it's totally different. There is so much interaction between the hosts um, and uh, the sales department. And it's because we care so much about what we do on that station. And it is a team that's like none other I've ever worked with where you if you're out and about, you may see me on a sales call with a sales guy three, four, five times a week at 8, 30, 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And then I come back and work my, my regular day. And I'm out there hustling and, and learning that aspect of sales. Right. Because at the end of the day, well, my dream was in eighth grade to be a talk show host. You know, I th- like I said before, you change your goals, you change your expectations. And, and to be honest with you, and everybody in that building knows this, my goal now is to run WSSP and to be the program director, to be the boss one day and take myself off the air sure. and eventually just run that station. I enjoy working so much with interns and having interns go back to school after summer and have being the most improved on the air staff. Right. I enjoy that so much. And I, I really get a kick out of that. So I guess the reason why I kind of did all this was, A, 
like you said, so you always have a job to a certain degree. But B also was because I wanted to learn every aspect of radio I could. So hopefully one day I would be able to get to run my own radio station mm-hmm. at some point. And, you know, been assistant program director now for the last few years. So hopefully one day that'll happen. With all those things you kind of talked about, the versatility that you show, the different skills that you're learning, let's say as a for instance, because we do have to kind of have this entire show on the guise of, uh, you know, anyone listening, sure. helping with their job, that kind of thing. So let's say you, you can't do any form of media anymore. For whatever reason, you're completely blacklisted, mm-hmm. which, you know, I guess in theory could happen. Absolutely. Where would you go? What skills would you be able to use, do you feel, that you've learned in the radio business that you could take out to, I mean, almost any job and really utilize those skills that you have? I think the one thing about working in radio uh, to a certain degree, especially working on the talk format, more so than maybe in, in the music format, is the relationships that you build along the way of learning how to deal with people, not being shy, uh, and being able to go out there. Look, I'm sorry. Anybody that, that hosts a radio show more than likely can go sell. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm being honest. Now, sure. can they deal with the grind and the emotional roller coaster that comes with a sales job? That I don't know. Mm-hmm. But can you go out and, and sell and do stuff like that? Yeah, I think you can go out and sell doorknobs. I think you can go out and sell a, a, a door to somebody because <laughs> the, the biggest part of that job is you have to be outgoing, right? You have to be able to relate to the person. Mm-hmm. And sports is something that most people can relate to. And something that, hey, man, did you see the Packer game this week? And, oh, yeah, yeah. You get on that level of being able to relate. So I think a lot of guys that are out of radio now that I know are selling houses and sure. have been selling houses for the last few years. And I've done okay at it, obviously, with the economy and everything else. But that's usually what happens. A lot of these people either go into selling houses, selling insurance, uh, because insurance or, or housing, you can use your brand that you kind of built in the market right. to your advantage when you go out to try and sell things. So I think a lot of people – going to sales. What would I do? I don't know. My dad sells <laughs> for farmer's insurance. So I may go work with him uh, I'm and do that. I was out of radio for a year along my journey from 1994 to now. Um, and I worked at a plastics factory, molding injections plastics factory, which gave me a whole different viewpoint um, and grew quite a bit in that year. And arguably may have been the, one of the funnest years I've had, even though I was doing a whole bunch of stuff mm-hmm. um, because there was a lot of sense of accomplishment Uh, of doing stuff. So having done that now, I'm pretty convinced now more so than ever that I could pretty much walk into anything and and figure it out and be pretty successful. But that comes from, I think, the confidence of of doing what we do. And, you know, if, and you're talking about, we're talking to people that may want to do radio. Right. If you want to do radio, then I have a couple pieces of advice. A, do not expect to make a whole bunch of money. That's the first piece of right, advice. Right. I, think I, was, that, I think that is a, a misnomer of a lot of things. I mean, even when I was doing some little TV stuff, they just assume, well, right. you're on the air or you're on TV, you must be making all this. It doesn't necessarily work. That. In fact, most of the time it doesn't work. No, that. I mean, you can make money. <laughs> right. But right. normally it's going to be in larger markets or mm-hmm. after you get going. I mean, I don't think I really started making decent money really until, well, it wasn't 2006 probably was or 2005, 2006 was when I first got my decent amount of money. I mean, right. I was working three jobs for the longest time between mm-hmm. radio and everything else. So that's the first thing. But the other thing is, obviously, education is important to a certain degree. But when you get to that point of being an intern and you get into a radio station or you get into a TV station, do not let them just say, well, you're just going to be in charge of Facebook and Twitter and uh, we'll do everything else. Sure. And you're not learning anything about your craft or anything else. Do not let people just kind of throw you away as an intern. They really don't want one, but they're being forced to have one. Sure. Make them teach you things. Always be asking questions. Always be asking what you can do to become better and how to take that next step. That is the biggest thing because if you come in as an intern and you don't show to me you want to do anything, 
I don't have the patience to beg you to do something. Right. If you don't want to do it, then then don't do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that simple. But if you're going to take that next step and if you're going to network like we talk about, if you're on a, let's say you intern for Fox 6 or somebody and you're out, network. Talk to the PR people for the, for the different teams. Talk with the other media members. And networking is so crucial. I think it's crucial in any job, regardless of what you do. Yeah, definitely. No, and you, you're, I mean, you're echoing a lot of the sentiments that, like I said, CEOs, HR personnel, yeah. I mean, all of them will tell you the same thing. And especially in your business, obviously, mm-hmm. it happens constantly. Let's talk a little bit about that because when I did intern at TMJ, obviously there's a competition, whether it be radio side, TV side, in terms of you know, getting the stories, getting the, the people, that sure. kind of thing. But I also noticed there was still a certain amount, at least in the sports area, with a, a certain amount of partnership, kinship, where you do help out here and there. I guess what's your take in terms of the competitive side versus, you know, kind of helping mm. each other out where, where it falls into place there? Mm-mm. Never? I, no, I'm the wrong guy to talk to. <laughs> it, that's okay. It's no, an I mean, opinion there, show here. There are different people that, that believe in different things. And there are people that I work with on my station that will help the other sports talk station in town. Mm-hmm if something breaks and they need help. Sure. And there are people at the other sports talk station in town that will help us if something happens with our interns or our part-timers or whatever the case may be. But you don't fall into the category. I'm not that guy. <laughs> but, but then again, you know, I, I'm not out there nearly as much anymore either because I'm, I'm sure. hosting and doing different stuff. So I'm not in the field uh, as much. But am I in that category? No. I mean, realistically, I want to put them on a business. Right. I, I don't, I'm not in this to just kind of hang around and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm in this to to be a part of the best sports talk station in town. Now, ratings and revenue and everything else dictates that we clearly are the number one sports talk station in town. And that's where I'd like to keep it at this point. But if I'm helping them get sound and everything else to make them sound as good as we sound, I I don't see the benefit of that. But what happens is friendships – you know, end up being formed in the press box over the course of a brewer season or, uh, uh, you know, behind the basket behind uh, during a buck season, mm-hmm. you become friends with the person. You like the person at the other radio station, so you're going to help each other out. I totally understand that. I'm not going to yell at guys if they do it. Right. But my personal feeling, no, I'm not a big fan of it. All right. No, it's good to know. I mean, I was always curious about that because, and again, it becomes an individual philosophy right. thing. But I, I think what you brought up is interesting too, the idea that, I mean, obviously it's a business. I mean, sure. you have the human element yep. of friendship or whatever. And I think that's the other part I wanted to ask you about in terms of when you go into sports media, especially, obviously you're a fan at some point mm-hmm. and you, some people keep that. Some people don't, you know, Drew Olson all the time talks about, you know, I'm no longer a fan. I can't look at it that way, um, especially with the Brewers because he covered it so much. How do you balance that? Because you can obviously hear that you're a fan when it comes to the Bucks, especially the Brewers. Right. So how do you handle the balances? You're supposed to be a journalist, quote unquote. You still have that fan mm-hmm. part too. Look, you. I'm not listening to sports talk to listen to some guy to tell me what I'm not a fan of. Then why am I listening to you? If you can't relate to what I'm going through, why, sure. why would I listen to you? I, that, that drives me up a wall and back down again. And I'll tell you this. It's completely changed me doing this job. And I've said it on the air before. Hmm. And it's disgusted me to a certain degree. <laughs> it, it really has because – you know, the Brewers trade for – or not the Brewers. The Bucks trade for Monte Ellis last year. Right. Everybody's excited. I was angry, fuming. Now, <laughs> old Steve Pfeiffer, not Sparky, but old Steve Pfeiffer when I was, you know, in my 20s or whatever just coming up and wasn't hosting a show, I probably would have been going crazy mm-hmm. because I would have been thinking short-term of, oh, man, we got a chance to make the playoffs now. I love Monte Ellis, blah, 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 blah. Right. Well, now me, Sparky, talk show host guy – is kind of always looking at how to win a championship. How do you eventually get to the end game? How do you eventually get there? 
And it was a very short-sighted thing that they did. And I went on my reasons of why we were now the Golden State Warriors who didn't do anything in the past several years. And I was angry on the air. And Josh Vernier was fuming mad at me, my old co-host. He said, you're throwing water on all these people. Mm. I go, well, I'm not going to lie to him. I said, if you don't want me on, I'll leave. I said, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly not going to lie to these people and tell them what I think. Well, sure. by the end of the year, then people were calling. I'm going, I spark, I guess you were right on this whole thing. But so I guess that's kind of how it changed me, where old me would have been excited at every little thing, would have had that undying optimism, kind of like Tim Allen still has on uh, on our postgame show. Right. Because he and I were kind of like that. I mean, I wasn't always as optimistic as he was. But still, I mean, if we're just seven and a half out of the All-Star break, we can do this. <laughs> I remember me saying it year in and year out. And that was back when they were horrible every year. And now, new me doing this hosting job, it's – I just I, I I don't have that that sense of optimism nearly as much as I used to. And I'm sure plenty of people have thought about that side of it. And do you feel then you're I mean, I know you're just being honest, but do you feel there's a certain cautiousness that you have to have with the local teams because um, you know, like you said, you're looking at it long term where a lot of fans are looking at it short term, like win now, win now. Is there a balance in terms of if a team is going well right now, does that spark more interest or does that not matter? I mean, maybe from the a, Packers, it doesn't matter. From but... a sports talk show interest? Yeah. From a sports as, talk right. show interest, it's best that the team is around 500. Really? That's the best because there's enough positive stuff to keep enough positive stuff to keep people happy, and there's enough negative stuff for people to complain about and whine about. That's the best. Mm. Now, 15-1 and one last year? Right. Yeah, I mean, people wanted to talk about the Packers, sure, but there wasn't as much to talk about because there really wasn't a whole bunch wrong. I mean, we talked about the defense, clearly. Right. But it wasn't as much. This year's Packers team, oh, man, Packer football, <laughs> all phone lines. Right. I, you can talk about anything. It, it doesn't really matter because this team now is hovering around 500. They're doing some stuff well, but they're doing a lot of stuff wrong that they could improve on. So everybody has an idea of how to fix the situation, which leads to good sports talk radio, no question. Now, on the other end, if you're horrible you know, and you have 20 wins as a Bucks team, right. you know, that's not good either because then people just – tune out that team and quit watching the games, in which case now you try to talk about something that happened the, the night before, two nights before, well, most people didn't even watch the game. Right. And that's the one cool thing from being a sports talk show host where you do a post-game show, the team's out of it. And people call in, I don't, I don't even watch the game anymore. I just listen to you guys on the post-game <laughs> show and call in and, and give my thoughts on it. Right. That's a compliment. They're not even watching the game, but they're tuning in just to hear what happened and because they enjoy you and they enjoy the show. That's a very cool thing. But doing a weekday talk show – you know, again, if they didn't see the game and you're getting into something specific, it makes it very difficult. Sure. And unfortunately, we're getting extremely low on time for our purposes. So I just want to get on this last general kind of question, and it's not necessarily job-related for you, but just overall. There is somebody out there listening, probably a number of people who are struggling in their job or they're not really sure what they want to do or things just aren't going how they want or they're lost, that kind of thing. With your experience, obviously you have strong opinions on this. You've tried to put your hands in different things. And mm -hmm. um, I guess what would be just the general advice that you would give to somebody who is maybe searching for whether it be a passion or a purpose or just somehow improve in their own job? What is there any sort of sparkyism that can be out there that people could latch on to? Because, again, for the, especially the people that listen to your shows, they respect your opinion. Whether they like it or not doesn't matter, but just something you could give people that are struggling or, or trying to find their way, so to speak? I think there's, I mean, there's a couple of different things. I mean, I, obviously, I think as people get older, and I don't know why this is, but I've found this along my way in life, people just stop having goals. People stop having different objectives that they want to reach. They have a family, and they're concerned about, you know, 
getting their kids homework done, getting this done, whatever else. And they lose perspective of what their goals are in their career. They just lose all sight of that. And, and family becomes first. And I totally get that. Mm. But if family becomes first, then all you're doing is looking at the clock, waiting to go home and do the job, whatever. That That's not necessarily the case anymore. Sure. I, I think you always have to have goals. Now, if you're at a job that you don't like, quit. I mean, I and I understand you can't just quit without having a job, clearly. But you do have the ability to send out resumes and look for other jobs. You have the ability to even if you go back to school part-time and you pick up a business class or a marketing class or something at, at night if you can afford to do that. I mean, there has to be something. And again, it goes back to goals. Where do I want to be in five years with my job? Mm -hmm. If I don't like this job, what job do I want to be in in five years? What job do I want to be in in 10 years? That's going to make me happy. That's going to fulfill me to a certain degree. I go back to that plastics factory job. If you would have told me when I took that plastics factory job that summer that I was going to be there for a year, I would have said, you're crazy. Right. Because some people they may not know this. I didn't graduate college. I quit. I was working in radio. I went to my general manager and said, do I need to do this? He said, absolutely not. Quit. I quit. And I've been fine outside of that one year when I was out of radio. So I was going to go back and finish up my degree that fall. But I created such so much of a ruckus and got promoted so quickly and made president of a safety board and, and uh, got uh, the, the molding technicians sent to school for the first time in the history of the company. And that got taken care of. I got so many things done. I was having a blast doing it right. because I could see everything coming together and things were becoming better. So I kind of made little goals for myself as we were going of things I wanted to get done. It wasn't a job I wanted to work with in the rest of my life. But if I lost this job and somebody offered me a job to go back to a, a similar situation, I'd probably take it. I had a blast. So you just have to get yourself in the mindset of, okay, if I don't like my job, what may make me like my job a, a little bit more? If I wasn't in this position in this company, maybe this position my friend's in. Maybe it'd be better if I get over there. Mm -hmm. And then figure out how to go from point A to point B. If it's, I don't like my field at all. I had a guy yesterday call and say, he majored in finance. He sells beer. Major in finance, didn't like it. Right. But he enjoys doing what he does now. This is his deal. One of my better friends went to school at Whitewater for five years to get a teacher's degree. Taught a year, hated kids. He's a stuntman in California now. Really? And just got totally out of it. Right. So just because you went to school for something, don't feel like, well, now I have to do it because that's where I spend all the money at. That's not necessarily the case. And not everybody agrees with me on this, but you don't have to be rich to be happy. You just don't. But you're never going to be happy if you hate getting up in the morning to go to your job. And you have to do everything in your power to make sure that's not the case. I don't think there's anything I can say to uh, to further that, so we'll leave it at that. Um, unfortunately, that is the end of today's show for us here on Scrambled Eggs on localjobnetwork.com radio. It's truly been a pleasure to have Steve Sparky Pfeiffer on with us, assistant program director and talk show host extraordinaire for Sports Radio 1250 WSSP. Sparky, thanks again for giving us a little peek into your profession and a little bit into your mind as well. Today. No problem. Uh, of course, you can go to sportsradio1250.com to find any details about all of their programming, including the 72 shows or so that Sparky plays some sort of role in. And for all you listeners, please send us your comments and ideas for our show to Radio at localjobnetwork.com. You've been locked down to Scrambled Eggs. I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.